You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay, associate editor over at Red Editor Sports, and joined by, as always, my main man, Matt Clare. What's up, dude? What is up, my man? How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Excited to get back on the podcast. We are uh, officially on iTunes, so it feels officially official. Thanks for looking into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll, but I mean, you know, it can yeah. it can be something where now it's uh, you know, it's already on SoundCloud, but now that we're able to share it on a platform like iTunes, hopefully we can continue to grow this thing. I still remember when you and I used a, a call in number and you know had Whoa, the likes that of that was uh, some that was some rigging if I've ever done any rigging on anything. Well, yeah, but if you remember, I mean, I, I still remember Corey Dolphine. Remember, he was an early commit. So <laughs> yeah. January, February, I mean, we, we just said, hey, let's do this thing. And, and he was one of our fir- very first guests. And uh, we, we made it work. But, hey, now we're on iTunes, and uh, we're going to keep tricking this thing out. So I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the new format. But, uh, you know, I'm definitely excited about it, man. No doubt, man. Like you said, we're we're still playing with this thing and evolving it, and we're excited to really, really like actually get it going. And you know, getting it on iTunes was the next step on that. So, for all y'all that are first time listeners, hope you guys really, really enjoy it, and uh, hope we don't sound like too big idiots, which will probably happen. Just to let you know, but uh, yeah, you, you are sound like <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so for you guys, if you haven't listened before, uh, we do the podcast in three segments. First, we'll talk about anything. Uh, Texas Tech news related. Second, we'll do off the radar, which is other kind of sports stories, pop culture stories, and that kind of thing. And then we'll finish things off with uh, you guys' questions about anything to do with uh, Tech Athletics, whether that be a question from RedRiggerSports.com or from Twitter. So, uh, like I said, that's the three things we do it. So, uh, let's get fired off on this Texas Tech news. And uh, really, the big thing right now, other than Tech Baseball, who swept Oklahoma over the weekend, which uh, good for those guys. And Things are going good for them, but uh, really the only other thing going on right now is spring football, and actually got the, the Midland scrimmage coming up this weekend, and, and then the spring game here in a couple weeks, so uh, already more than halfway through spring ball, and, and excited to see how things finish out and get kind of a better picture of it as a whole, but uh, this week, and, and just kind of because how things are kind of going on right now in athletic department, they hadn't released a, a spring roster until this week, which they did on I believe they did it on Saturday or Friday or Saturday afternoon. But either way, uh, finally released the spring roster. So I guess first off uh, for you, Matt, what are a couple of things that stick out to you about the roster? No, everybody talks about Coach Witt and his strength program and how good things were in the offseason. So I guess just kind of your thoughts on maybe a thing or two that sticks out from the roster and just those kind of things. Um. 
I mean, I guess the combination of, you know, Coach Kingsbury mentioning uh, the the two transfer defensive linemen. Uh, he had talked about uh, Colin Hill, who we know who came over from Notre Dame. He's he's listed at six two two fifty, so he's definitely going to be at that outside linebacker, you know, strong side defensive end type position. Um, and, and that's something where you know I, I think that you know it's hard to say. I, I wouldn't use the word upgrade, right? But you might not miss a guy. Uh, like, uh, you know, some of the seniors that have left when you can immediately replace them with someone that has D1 experience. So that's a unique situation in itself. And then I think if you go uh, all the way to the bottom with Pipkins, you know, you know that he has his injury issues, but 325 pound plug up the middle is, uh, is something that a that. struggling, a struggling rush defense can, can definitely benefit from. And same thing, D1 experience and, and a grown man, right? Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, and and like you said, whatever you want to think about, you know, Andre. I think that the thing that I think you're most excited about is he's a guy who's a fifth year redshirt senior at this point who has played a lot of football, uh, played a lot of football at Michigan, and, and he understands what it's like to play on an elite defense. And I think even from just a mentality standpoint, bringing in a guy like that is something that they can help you. And and like you said, a guy who's a true nose tackle that's going to play that for you, who's six three, three twenty five, and you know, the guy that, that he's kind of splitting time with this spring is, is Broderick Washington, who, who redshirted last year, and he's a guy from Longview that, uh, similarly, he's listed at 6'3", 305, and I know the coaches are, you know, excited about his potential too because he's a guy that never played defensive line until he got to Tech, was always a guy that played offensive line, but but I know the Tech, you know, staff was very excited and has been very pleased with uh, with okay. his project, pro- progress. Excuse me. Um Yep, sound like an idiot. Already, yeah, already. I mean, I just you just gotta take it with the punches, man, and uh, and just roll. Go, it. go, go. But uh, <laughs> you know, somebody else that sticks out to me is my boy, uh, my boy Patty Ice out here, six three two thirty's been uh, been eating his Wheaties. Yeah, man. I mean, fo- you know, focused on football. Excuse me, I'm trying not to cough here. Focused on football. But I mean, I two thirty. What is that? What's the weight gain from? Like, I guess officially, is there a, a I mean, number would, to that weight gain? There, I can look it up. But I think he was listed at like two twenty one or two twenty one okay. last year. So I mean, it's it's a I mean considerable amount, especially for a guy who's already been on campus for a year and a half. You know. Sure, sure. Well, what I was going to say is that, you know, being able to, to be at a couple of the games this year, I mean, he is a big guy, and I don't think that's what a lot of people talk he's about when they built. talk yeah. about Mahomes. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, I think that you're already starting to see a few of the mentions. You know, I saw the Q&A with ESPN.com uh, and, and some of their Big 12 blog guys, and, and you're starting to see a little more attention paid to Mr. Mahomes. And uh, just to think that this is going to be his junior season, um, you know, the the team kind of goes the way that he goes, and he's already he's got ten more pounds, I guess, if if everything is is accurate by that count, and uh, you know, hopefully, he just kind of carries that into the next season because you know, you and I both talked about on this podcast before. There's you know times during that Arkansas game and the TCU game where. You know, he just kind of took some unnecessary hits. I think right, he's going to yeah. learn a lot from that. He's going to be able to work with, you know, new receivers and build some chemistry, which is why Midland's so important, which is why the spring game is so important. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to be the, the, the straw that stirs the drink and all those other, uh, things to, to kind of describe how important he is to this program. So I think, you know, are you going to be in Midland checking yeah, that out? I will yeah, be so. there. Yeah. I will be there on Saturday. So I will get to see. You know all that in person for the first time. 
So you expect big things from Mahomes, and uh, it'll be just really. I know it's kind of a more of a, a light scrimmage walkthrough type deal, but it at least get an idea of of the rotations that are coming in and out, and maybe some yeah. guys that catch your eye and and make a name for themselves from a practice standpoint. But just seeing how sharp Mahomes is, and right. I guess the you were you were talking. I looked at the video earlier. You were at football availability, and uh, apparently Shimanick's going to sit out Midland, so that probably gives. Uh, more Jet Duffy to the crowd, right? Yeah, it definitely does, and I think people will get excited to, to see him and what he can do because I think he's he's really impressed. Uh, you know, not only the coaches, I think a lot of his teammates have been very impressed by him and what he's done so far. I think he's you know caught a lot of guys' attention with some of the throws he's made, and even more than that, I think a lot of guys are impressed with how quick he's picked up the offense and uh, is already kind of you know starting to you know dip his toes into audibling in and out of stuff and, and kind of picking his own plays where if you ask Pat, Pat says, you know, he couldn't do very much of that even when he was a true freshman. So I think you're really excited about that and, uh, and where he's at with that. So um, very excited to see what he does. Um, a couple other guys on this roster that really stick out to me, you look at two safeties in Christian Taylor and, uh, and Peyton Hendricks, both guys listed at six two two ten and I don't know if you've had two safeties on your roster listed at that in a long time. I mean, can you remember any two guys at the same time in your se- in your secondary like that? Uh, no, but I mean, I guess you know. Furthermore, it just it kind of shows how much depth they have at that position as well. So um, it's crazy, you know. You start to talk about some of these different position groups, and as long as the coaches can, I guess you know, the newer coaches can come in and. Uh, you know, we haven't even talked about some of the freshmen that'll be there this summer. Right. I mean, you you've got to like how this thing's shaping up, just from a depth standpoint, too. No, absolutely, and I think that's the thing for me when, and it hasn't looked like this in as long as, I, and I will say this is the one really like big positive like exclamation point. Like whenever I kind of look at the roster, you see a lot of. You know, as far as like the DBs, the linebackers, and the receivers, you see lots of like six foot, six foot two, six foot three, six foot one, uh, you know, like 205, 210, 200, two, you know, 18, whatever. So, and a lot of those guys aren't guys that are going to start this year. So, I think you feel really good about the base that they're kind of building with this roster, which I think so far you've liked, you know, a, a lot of your starters. But I think the biggest problem, especially on defense for Tech, and I think it was really noticeable the most last year was, um, I think you know once you got to about the midway point in the season, when all these starters kind of started figuring things out on defense, and I think you look at the Oklahoma State game and you look at uh, the Texas game and, and a couple of those other ones in the second half of the season, even kind of the Oklahoma game at, at some points, and you kind of look at some of those games in the second half of the season where they. Uh, you know, in the first half, you know, the defense would play really well and, and you'd really like what you saw. But then in the second half, they kind of fall apart and, you know, just kind of look, I mean, just give up a ton of yardage and a ton of points. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that you really only had a one deep and you just kind of had to start rotating guys in that just didn't look as good or, or weren't playing as well. and Or you were just having to play those starters who were all exhausted by the time you got to the fourth quarter, which in my opinion had a lot of the reason that Tech gave up so many points in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, if that makes sense to you, Matt. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's uh, – it, it's again, it's just the spring and, 
you know, maybe we're all rabid for some football, but you know, seeing the updated, (laughs) seeing the seeing the updated roster is is one thing, but you know, getting to see these guys out there on uh, on uh, Saturday will will be another. So you know, pretty excited for for you guys to get to check that out, but. Um, you know, for me, just uh, th- there's obviously a few things to watch. I mean, I think the combination of having uh, not only seeing Cantrell back out there 100 uh, percent, but seeing how uh, a guy like uh, Derek Willies, who, uh, kinda... who, who is, by the way, going to go full go. On Saturday. Right. Cliff told us that today at practice, so he's going to go so, full on Saturday. So you get to check him out. You get to see how he's acclimated to the next level. Again, just a an inner squad type of uh, light scrimmage, but still, you know, a lot of the fans have been waiting to see him, and you know, saw his uh, saw his his Twitter video as as did a lot of other people this week. So they're starting to see that he's a real deal. But I mean, most importantly, listed at six three, two hundred fifteen pounds. I just did a quick search. I mean, Josh Dotson six four one ninety. So I mean, it gives you the idea of you know what you can possibly do throwing those jump balls, stretching the defense, and. It's just going to really open up a lot of things for the other receivers to cross the field as well. How do they use a Dante Thompson, who's a similar 6'4", uh, uh, 215? Another boy who has been certainly eating his Wheaties. Because yeah. I saw him in person. He is every bit of 6'4", 215, and that is a legit 6'4", 215. Because the dude looks like an outside linebacker or like defensive end. Like, And again, I don't know you know, how much he's going to play or, or – how they're going to kind of utilize him. I was guessed kind of as a tight end in some packages and in short yardage and goal line stuff, but that is a dude that looks the part and he is what you need more of on your roster. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, so those were the two guys I was going to mention just from a size standpoint that you add in addition to a healthy Cantrell, uh, but also on the offensive line, you know, I'm sure you're going to take a look at big Madison, Ekim Nanu and, uh, and, uh, Terrence Steele. So those are pretty key pieces going into the season. And, yeah. you know, certainly you, you'll see the depth behind that as well. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, the thing I think too about, about Terrence and Madison is, is, you know, you kind of heard about how much weight they put on, uh, from when they got here last summer. And it's on the roster because Madison is listed at 6'5", 310, and uh, Terrence is listed at 6'6", 300. So that is two big old boys for, I mean, for being redshirt freshmen. They put on weight in a hurry. And if you've seen them, and I, I mean, a lot of you obviously haven't, haven't, but when you see them trot out on the field on Saturday, both, both those guys will look like, you know, what senior offensive tackles are supposed to look like. So I, I think that you, I'm really excited to see what both of them do. Um and on top of that, you know, I'm excited to see what some of these younger offensive linemen, I mean, I'm not younger, but I mean the same age as them, but but you get what I'm saying. Um, what some of these guys, too, like what, uh, even what Trace Ellison and Cody Wheeler do, because I'm I'm not really sure where they're playing right now, and just kind of how they look, how uh, Robert Castaneda's kind of looking, and, and, and just what he's doing, because obviously right now you don't have Murphy or Dyer, because both those guys are out with uh, injuries for the spring. Dyer's going through a little bit. But uh, Justin really not going through anything. So really excited to see what happens uh, with the offensive line. And then the other, I guess the other thing that will really intrigue me is how they kind of handle these running backs, even in, you know, even in a a situation scrimmage on on Saturday and how they kind of, you know, play all four guys and the amount of reps they give all four guys. Because, you know, you ask anybody, if you ask, you know, Cliff or Eric Morris or any of these coaches or, or even, you know, Coach Foster, they basically all just force said it's kind of a free for all right now that they're going to give they're going to give Justin the kind of the first shot to take the job and kind of run with it 
Um, but I will be curious to see what the the what the rep split is between all of those guys because other than I mean I mean I, I would say other than Dauphine, all those other guys have seen you know they, I mean a good amount of action and those guys you know mm-hmm. got, got to do with the ball so that'll be the most interesting thing to me is not only how they get how they play as far as you know how they split the reps but also what all formations they use and that kind of thing. No, I, I agree. I mean, there's a. I was going to mention the running back position, but then again, you know, uh, how how much of Felton will we see? How much of the backups will we see? Right. Um, you know, I think it'll be a good mixture. But yeah, I think you hit it on the head when you said Dolphin's definitely the the kid. A lot of people are looking at. Uh, and, and so we'll, we'll get to see him. I think he'll get a, a lot of carries, a lot of touches for a kid that, that probably needs them. Especially in a, in a thing like this where so many of the older guys have had so many carries already. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what's most interesting to me as I get to the bottom of the list and, and I'll, I'll ask your opinion, uh, it, when I'm, when I, when I wrap it up, but just real quickly, if you, you know, we've already talked about Willie's, we've talked about Cantrell coming right. back healthy. We've talked. Uh, we've talked about. Uh, you know, we, we know Sadler's not going, but we know he's going to be a part of the the offense. The coaches have mentioned Batson as someone who can Same step lots. in and replace Jakeem. Yeah. And, and, so, I'll let you finish, but I'll kind of go on my rant after that. Uh, uh, sorry, man. So, I, but that gets us to four. And so, what's so intriguing to me is because of injuries last year and knowing that the same situations can happen. That's why you build depth. You know, I look at the I look at the kids that played last year as true freshmen. I look at a Kiki Kute, and I look at Giles. And I look at Tony Brown. I mean, some of these guys. I mean, they're really good. They can so, yeah. And I don't even think I mentioned Reginald Davis earlier. So no, that's five. And then on top of that, we haven't even mentioned Daquan Bowman. So you have like when you really list it all out, you have a, you have like a, a pretty absurd, like a real yeah, you have a deep, yeah, pretty absurd amount of, of receivers. And and we even mentioned guys like a, a Dante Thompson earlier. I, we don't even know how he would factor into that. That's that's it's crazy. So I mean, really interested to see kind of what they're throwing out there. Four receivers, three receiver. I mean, what what does this thing look like? Uh, you know, on these different yeah. plays because this is a lot of this is also a lot of time for, to, for them to gadget around a little bit. Yeah, and, and the like the thing that will be and, and you won't see as much of it in these scrimmages because they'll keep things pretty basic as far as like formations and. The offense, I mean, they'll, they'll stick with kind of the basic pieces of the offense and kind of what the core things are. But um, the thing that's really going to intrigue me through the first couple of games this fall is how many different packages as far as wide receiver personnel and running back personnel and just how they kind of decide to split up their, all their situational stuff on offense. You know, are you going to see a bunch of two-back, a bunch of three-back, or are you going to be see a bunch of four-wides and empty and three and you know or, or tray like like literally they can do almost and they've never been able to do this yet but they literally can almost do anything they want with this roster as far as how they want to kind of mold the offense like formations wise yep yeah. all right well we could probably spend uh, another 30 no, minutes on on that topic alone but we should probably move away because we are going to see or i say you're going to see it in person i'll i'll get the i'll get the video in the notes but uh we're going to see what they can do this weekend, and then uh, only a, a couple weeks after that, it'll be the spring game. So, you know, there's lots to, to learn about this group. 
No, absolutely, and and that and that's the fun thing. And Cliff even said that today at, at availability. He actually had a it was actually a really good media session with him today where he uh, that was something that he said today that I haven't ever really heard him talk about. Where he went into how this roster this year and just kind of the age of all the guys on the roster and uh, the competition is is really other than Pat at quarterback, they're kind of open to whoever starting at any other position. And so they said it's been so much fun because it's been a super competitive spring and uh, as competitive as they've had since they've been here where guys are just, you know, really, really, you know, getting after it with one another as far as guys know they don't have – they have very, very short leashes, um, you know, getting out on top and being in front. So it's it's really just so interesting to me to see how that, that shakes out because you always see guys in the spring – Every single spring, and, and it's just something you have to expect. There are always guys that stick out during the spring and have a have a really big spring that uh, that you haven't seen, and you're like, whoa, you know, where did this guy come from? And you know, what's you know, what's the deal with this? And then you kind of build up expectations for him going into the season, but then it never materializes, and you know, other guys that, that you kind of originally thought would step up would step up. So I, I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to me. And, and the thing too, I think a lot of people aren't factoring in right now too is. And based off kind of what I know and what I've heard, I think right now the expectation is that Devin Lauderdale will be back on the team in June, and I think he's kind of on track to get everything uh, in order to where he's good to go. So, And kind of the thought there, too, with him is you bring him back, and that's another option, but he'd be your most experienced, you know, not necessarily most experienced, but he would be your returning leader in yardage. Uh, from a year ago, which is you know certainly interesting, and I think if they if he does come back, they want to move him inside and play him at at H. So that, that's going to be kind of the. And I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I just think that the thing about receiver this year is going to be, and I've talked about it with 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 uh, you know with, with Aaron on Tech Talk this week, and I actually wrote about it in my column last week where you know will this group be be one like the 2009 season where. You kind of have a bunch of different guys that just kind of play their roles, and you really don't have uh, kind of an alpha male at receiver. Or, you know, do, does a guy or two step up? You know, does Dylan Cantrell or Derek Willies or uh, Ian Sadler or Cameron Batson? Or, like, it, does one of those guys become the go-to guy, or do you just have a bunch of guys that you kind of just pick your poison with? So that's going to be kind of the most interesting thing with me at receiver. But, but, but like you said, man, we're just uh, – could go on about this for, for hours, so uh, so I guess we'll just kind of wrap it up with that. And that's all our news as far as uh, Texas Tech stuff kind of going on this week and just kind of what's going on right now. So we'll go ahead and move to Off the Radar, which, like I said, is kind of our section where we talk about stuff, other stuff in the sporting world that's kind of of interest to us and a couple of big stories going on right now. And I think the weird, or I guess one this week that, depending on your kind of view on things, you can think whatever you want, but... This whole like Kyrie Irving and Kalani, who is a she's like a she is an R and B singer, I guess you'd say, and this other R and B singer named Party Next Door, like this like love triangle thing that's kind of been on drama. I, I guess you kind of you kind of explain it, Matt, because I kind of have put the pieces together, but I still don't know if I get all of it. All right, so Kyrie Irving is all star point guard for the Cleveland Cavs, right. and he's 
dating Kalani and all of this transpired over social media. So I guess you have the troll effect to this too. Like, you know, are these, you know, real timelines, you know, et cetera. But the, the way it shook out was a, it was a all on Instagram, I guess, and then right, yeah. transferred over to Twitter. Um, but long story short is, is, uh, Kyrie Irving's dating this pop star, uh, R and B star Kalani and either, uh, she cheated on him uh, with her former boyfriend, Party Next Door, who's one of Drake's artists. He's also a, a hip-hop right, artist right, himself right. Uh, from Canada. Anywho, uh, he sends out a picture. Th- this girl has uh, multiple tattoos, right, if that very helps. Very distinct and so, tattoos. Yeah, very distinct and you know, unique. And so uh, I guess he sent out a, a post that said uh, – got the pop star in my bed again and it had a picture of her hand and clearly they're laying in bed and it's 100 percent her hand and so no, no doubt you know all that was like oh man Kyrie got cheated on and all that and blah blah and you kind of ignore it for a minute and then the next day i wake up and i'm having my coffee and it's like i i didn't read this one because i thought it was dark and i thought you know people were messing with us but like then she posts something from instagram right. saying right. this was the crazy that, that like she's laying in the hospital and she's like, I tried to take my life, but he saved me, uh, my baby, blah, blah. And now she's talking about party next door. So I guess the, the assumption was that either she tried to take her own life or something like that. That's so amazing. anyway, yeah. just, just all, way- all played out online like that was just really kind of weird. But the, the way I interpreted it was, was that she was trying to say, that it never happened and he and party next door lied about it is kind of how I read it from, and it's, it's, I mean, it's all like open and this is the stupid thing. Okay. This is the thing like about social media right now that I like absolutely is like nails on like the chalkboard of my mind where everybody, especially like celebrities. And I think, you know, a lot of kids do it too. They post all this vague BS about stuff and then it's all just stuff that you can kind of make your own assumptions about and that's how all this starts where and that and it's just like it's crazy to me that like these people all especially like I said all these celebrities they just let all this like all their personal BS just play out in public court which is like the most ridiculous thing ever to me yeah no there's I mean there's a lot of uh decisions that are being made that you know, a lot of these, all that that you mentioned, like kids, coaches, whoever that, you know, you just wonder like if they even understand how social media works sometimes. But anyway, I, I thought that one was intriguing just because no, of the power is. of I social agree. media. I mean, all of these people we're talking about, I mean, let's say you're listening to this and you're like, when we've lost you by now, right? Yeah, you're like, party next door, sure what the hell like are they talking about? I mean, uh, it's only interesting because these people are superstars. Like in in their worlds, they have thousands upon hundreds of thousands of followers. If not millions, I'm sure you know who Kyrie Irving is. So all this thing played out, and 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 whether it happens, you know, later tonight or sometime later tomorrow this week, you know, one of these people is going to be interviewed and and they're going to get to the bottom of it. But yeah, all this yeah. stuff playing on playing out online the way it did, just. Super, super odd. I mean, either yeah. either party next door is a is a a jerk for even putting that online. Like if it was true, either right? way, yeah, yeah. Or it's old, and then she's trying to get more attention. Who the hell knows? But it, it's altogether weird. Weird. So I guess yeah. we'll just leave it at that. But, but 
it's just one of the, the 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 you'll never hear another story about like that again. I just don't think. But yeah, my my whole thing, I guess, with it is, is I just don't as being like twenty five, and and I know that she's like twenty twenty one, and then I think Party Next Door is only like twenty three, twenty four, and then Kyrie is I think my age at twenty five. He might be you know twenty six, twenty seven. But the weird thing to me is like being their age, and just everybody, kind of in general, with you know, my generation and social media is everybody just kind of puts all their like laundry, like their personal stuff just out there for everybody else to see. And like, no matter what it is, like nobody's like afraid to just put everything out there. And I just don't get it at all because there is no way you're ever going to see me put any of the kind of stuff they put out there on social media. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, it's not, that's, it's just insane, but and I think, like you said, too, though, I just wonder if, you know, being my generation, I just wonder if people really understand like that, that like, oh, you're just putting this out there where literally everyone in the world can see what's going on with you, which I don't know if they do. But but anyway, we are done talking about that because that is a good way for me to get my blood pressure up. So um, <laughs> the I guess next thing we kind of want to talk about was uh you want to talk about draft or baseball first? Uh, either one. I'm fine. Okay, let's do baseball then. Um, obviously, you know, college baseball has been going on for um, like a month and a half, which is always crazy to me that like the like the, 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 like the difference between the two seasons as far as when they both start and end. But um, Major League Baseball has been going through spring training and, you know, the Rangers and the Astros and uh, everybody else will get underway here. I guess in a week is it, is opening day. We're recording on Tuesday, so is opening week a day from? Is it a week from today? Or I know it's just next week. I think it's like six days, so okay. five so or six Monday. days. Yeah. Next Monday, and uh, I don't know. For me, um, as far as like spring training stuff goes, the older I've gotten, the less that I care at all about spring training, and it's 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 like the same thing to me as like preseason football, where. I just don't care what goes on because there are teams. I think it was like, like my my football example is, I think it was like three or four years ago. The pat like the Patriots went like zero and four in the preseason, and then they went fifteen and one in the regular season. So I just don't think, and I think of sending in baseball where there will be these teams that, uh, you know, finish you know spring training at like, you know, they only win like a third of their games and they finish at like three hundred, you know, percentage wise and then you, you'll see them just go on these tears in the season. So, I don't know. Spring training itself is just not a thing for me as much anymore. But I am excited to see uh, the season get started with the Rangers. And uh, you're, you're just – as a Rangers fan, you know, the thing is, you know, with how last year ended and you went on that run in the second half, all without, you know, you Darvish. So, you still just kind of wonder what that team looks like going into the year with him still, you know, a ways out from being able to go – I mean, that's that's the thing. Uh, I mean, that's the thing I'm going into the season looking at. Like, I mean, I guess first of all, in spring training, I think baseball is just different. I think the players have to tune up, so to say. And yeah. so, like in 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 you know in the football comparison, you can tell they really don't give a damn. But but you know, a guy, an older guy like Colby Lewis has to go and he has to go get his his routine down. He has to go. He's got to oil up. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. So, so you know, I think a lot of that's important to look at. They, I know they traded and, and added a catcher today. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah it's all, interesting all because – Tigers, right? 
Yeah, and okay. so it's interesting to see, you know, how they work different guys and who makes that 40-man. But uh, you're right. I mean, they had all that momentum. And, you know, of course, they, they fell short in the playoffs again. Uh, but you, you do look towards the, the middle to the end of the summer of getting Darvish back. And then, uh, you look around the division. Obviously, the Astros are a strong team. Uh, but I don't really fear the Angels or the A's. And, no, you know, across the American League, there's, you know, there's, it's just, to me, and then people will talk about the season. They, they expect a lot out of the Rangers. And, you know, I think that's okay. For me personally, um, I'm I'm not expecting anything through the roof, but as more and more of these predictions start to come out closer to opening days, uh, you see a lot of these national writers saying a lot of good things about the Rangers. So I'm just sitting back, knocking on yeah. wood. Yeah, I'd love to see some good baseball, uh, but I thought the team came together pretty well, and um, you know I, I think a lot of I think it's going to come together to where a lot of guys can can get healthy at the right time, and it'd be pretty be a pretty salty uh, rotation there. Yeah, no doubt, and and I think the interesting thing about um, about this roster is I think whenever you look back to um, that that 2010 season, you know where you make the run and you know you go all the way to the to the you know the postseason. That was a year where you know it was so much fun because you didn't expect it first off, but then second off, it also was a team that was at that point you know was super young, you know just a kind of a bunch of you know young guys having a bunch of fun, and then you know, here's six years later, and it's crazy to think that it's been that long, but, you know, here's six years later, it's just so, it's kind of the opposite, where you kind of have this old group of, of guys, you know, with with Beltre, and I think you can even consider older guys, Elvis at this point, well, he's not an old guy, but I mean, he's a, definitely, you know, a veteran. Uh, at this sure, point. compared to some of the... Right, him, and then whatever, you know, Hamilton, you know, gives you, you know, Colby Lewis, and uh, some of these ar- other arms you have in, you know, in the bullpen, and it just, it's just kind of the opposite spectrum, kind of looking at it this year, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, Hamilton's just kind of a spare extra part, right? <laughs> and and you, anything you get out of him above average is is bonus, and you know they they are able to to so far so good with moving Ian Desmond out there to the outfield, and you know that's a guy that's uh, even if he's plus defense and, and decent at the plate. You know that's all, that's really all you can ask for, but he's he's played on a few winning teams here recently. So um, no, I mean, as I, I'm just interested to to watch baseball again. Uh, it feels like it's been forever, uh, but it really hasn't. But but it'll be nice to to kind of get back into that routine a little bit. I, I don't know much else, but like I said, you know, right, I know Rangers. we're. I guess I know we're. I just want to say I know we're both Rangers fans, but like I said before, you know, the the Astros are absolutely right on their tails, and and I think they're going to be. Young. That, you know, yeah, they're at the other end of the spectrum of the Rangers as far as age-wise, and and they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna make strides this season. So I think AL West totally up for grabs, but that speaks both, uh, that speaks well for both teams to chase down another wild card opportunity and, and kind of see where the matchups lay. And I mean, I think the Blue Jays, you know, they made a lot of those deals and they came at some people, and everybody's kind of picking them highly again. Um, I, I would it's say I'd like be the careful. Rangers 2011 year. You know what I'm saying? Kind of similar, sure. where they, they kind of sure. where the Rangers had that lineup that was just un, kind of unstoppable, and they kind of have a similar kind of thing, kind of going on. And that's just that, that was just kind of always an interesting way to look at it for me as a Rangers fan, where the Blue Jays kind of are that, like I said, where they have just like a lineup that's just you know packed you know to the brim, and and you kind of wonder about some of their arms. 
Well, I just, I just say to, I, I have a lot of respect for that team. I don't think they're going to fall, but I just say, look at that division and, and make sure that they're going to be able to have the season that people are thinking that they're going to have because every team goes through ups and downs. Every team has some, uh, some attrition and injury. So they're, they're not immune to that. And, and maybe I'm stating the obvious. I'm just not as high on them coming into the yeah, season yeah, yeah, as yeah. some others are. You look at even a guy like Tulewiski is often injured. Uh, you look at some of the pieces they've added. I mean, some of those guys got traded for, for good reason, but, again, they and, do have a lot of solid youth and, uh, on that team as well. Tulo's an old dude, too, at this point, man. He's been around right. forever. But, I mean, he's always – and when he hasn't been hurt, he's always been, you know, like one of the best infielders in the in the you know, in the the you know majors. So, um, so yeah, and, you know, for me – Opening day, at least whenever I was in college, was always a fun thing because at least whenever I – th- I don't like now how they've kind of started doing this thing where they just basically um, – they kind of have a couple of games on that Sunday night, you know, and it's it kind of keeps growing, and then they have a handful of games on Monday and then a handful of games on Tuesday, whereas, you know, whenever I was in college, you know, especially early on in college – opening day was just opening day and literally everyone played on opening day and it was just one of those things where we always kind of would skip school and do whatever and take off work and just kind of hang out you know at a buddy's house and watch opening day all day so fun fond memories for for me of opening day but uh, certainly excited to see it get going uh kind of switch gears here and head over to the nfl which obviously is an off season but you got the draft coming up here in uh Roughly a month or so, whenever it starts, whenever the dra- the draft is. So, um, you know, things. It's always interesting to see how things kind of change, uh, as far as kind of the consensus opinion at the top, uh, in the top, you know, top ten of the draft, when you kind of get there. But I would say this is a year where it's all kind of stayed the same, you know, for the most part. I think everybody kind of has the Titans taking Laramie Tunsil at number one, and that's kind of the foregone conclusion. Everybody has the Browns taking a quarterback, whichever one you want. Uh, and then just kind of from there, it's just kind of all the same names up there at the top. So um, I guess what's just your kind of thoughts, you know, Cowboys or not Cowboys, Matt, and, and just kind of what you kind of see at the top of the draft? Well, I mean, I, I think if it does shake out the way you just described, I think it becomes pretty interesting at, at picks three and four. Uh, because everybody assumes the brand, uh, b- b- Browns, the Browns, the Browns, uh, the Browns, uh, will go with a quarterback, like you said. And then if Tunsil does go number one, um, you got the Cowboys at four. And, and man, I just love everything I'm hearing about Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, for a, a defense that is just that we haven't had a not, never. Yeah. I mean, they, they just don't have the guy out there. And it's hard for me to believe with, all the college football players coming out each and every year that 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 secondary doesn't have more guys that are just I got yeah, this dudes, yeah. you know I, I got this side of the field you know instead you know we've got to run a bunch of nickel and then that you know you saw last year a bunch of guys in and out a lot. right and you saw last year you get one injury and all of a sudden you're rotating guys in and out you're signing guys off the street I mean if if this Ramsey kid is everything that that, that I've read about I mean yeah to me thing. I'd say take him over a Joey Bosa and maybe spend that second round pick on a, on the defensive line. If you feel like that's a, a need, but man, one, two on defense, that would, that would get me excited. But I know as a Cowboys fan, there's going to be something I don't expect, but yeah. that, that was my takeaway from, from reading a few things this week. And, um, 
I do, you know, I cover some of the Baylor stuff. I hear Andrew Billings is kind of shooting up the draft board. Which he should, uh, which is stupid but, that he never was low. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's so stupid that he was low. So, I mean, it, that's this is a time of year where it kind of, you know, is worth paying attention. Who's taking visits where? Um, because the the end of April will be here before we know it. And uh, that's when the draft's going to be. So, so I think like three, three and a half weeks now. And, yeah, and yeah. it'll probably be like top 15 pick is what they're rumored right now. Yeah, and... and- I hope so. I hope so because he is a guy that, regard. I don't really care where he played school. That dude is just so much fun to watch, and he is a dude that, when I watch him play, he is the closest guy to Indomitian Sue that I have watched in the Big Twelve playing on the defensive line. Where you just tell him to go to work, and he does, and nobody ran up the middle on the on them really. All yeah, the dude, that 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 game against Baylor, right? I mean, say what you will about the defense that game but that that game started out the way it did because the Baylor you offense came the out tech, yeah, the Baylor, tech, yeah but the Baylor offense came out did their thing and it was it was Tech's turn and they tried to get the run game started and it was like nothing zero going. yeah zero and That's- and the same the same thing happened with pressure up the middle for Pat I mean it wasn't intense or anything and like that the same thing it was no against LSU the exact same thing yeah so, but I mean, Billings was just—I think he was monster. solely responsible for that. Yeah. So yeah, I do too. Um, and like you said with Jalen Ramsey, it'll—it'll it'll really depend on. And I think a lot of people have San Diego taking him at three. So if—and if they don't take him at three, and if they go with a defensive end, like if they go with Buckner, or they would go with Bosa at three. Um, in my opinion, just kind of based off of how football's evolved, you know, at the NFL or college level, both even at the high school level now. I think with how much everybody, you know, like I said, even at the NFL level, how much you throw the ball downfield and how much you kind of spread things out, um, I really think the keep, like, if I could pick one player on my defense to be the best player on my defense, I want an elite safety that can just headhunt guys in the run game uh, and is going to lock it down in the pass game because I just feel like over the middle – uh, between the hashes is where so much of all this kind of goes on and, and the run game, you know, wherever it goes kind of goes on. So I think when you look across the NFL, the best team or the teams that have the best defenses have the best safeties. And I think that you start with the Seahawks. They have may arguably the two best safeties in the NFL play for them. And nobody, you know, does anything against them, you know, offensively. So um, that's a big thing for me. Um, the interesting thing to me right now with Dallas is – there are a couple of like projections from some people, like from some definitely guys who are insiders who are starting to predict that the Cowboys are going to take whatever quarterback the Browns don't take. So I'm just kind of interested in that. And, and there's a lot of people that have the Cowboys taken. I've, I've seen two or three different guys say they think that they're going to take Carson Wentz, which. which might be controversial, but I honestly would love that because I think at this point you're just waiting on the day when when Tony says, "Well, I just can't go anymore," you know. Well, I mean, I I think that it's going to be a value pick and and it's going to be based on their gut because you know the the reality of the situation is uh, Romo could go out there and and mess up his shoulder again, and then and you're just kind of left yeah. holding the bag. So you might as well, you know, while you're up there at four, if the opportunity presents itself, see what plays out. Because um, I, I think there are plenty of other uh, directions they could and probably should go. Uh, but, you know, 
do you do you really how, when are you going to be back in the top five again? Is what you have to ask yourself. And yes, you're going to be back there if you, if you. Well, yeah, but but you know if if Romo is what you think he is, then he plays two more years and this guy sits, and then this is this unheard of, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers like mentorship that can right. happen. Which the um, which everybody kind of crucified the Packers when they took him because that everybody thought the Packers had a bunch of other needs, you know, whenever they took him, but then it ended up being you know, one of the smartest moves ever in the NFL draft because you said, all right, see you, Brett. Come on in, Aaron. And they didn't skip a beat on offense. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to. But then I again, guess he's we'll... also Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know if I think that Carson Wentz or Jared Goff is Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's so hard. We were talking about that last week, right? And that's that's why I brought up, you know, Jared Goff. And, and that's why, to me, I don't care about the system they came from. I don't care about any of that other stuff. I mean, to me, that's, um, I, I don't know. That's all relative, sure, but it's dependent on the individual. So if they can make all the throws and they can develop, then fine. But, right. you know, take golf, for example, a kid that's still, you know, fairly lanky and, and, and still he's only young. one, too. Yeah. Yeah. So put him, put him back there for two years. And then at the, at the very least, you have like a, uh, uh, a guy that plan, at least. contingency plan, but, I don't know that you'd have to think that's why I mean, that's why I said it's going to be value. You have to think really highly of a guy to take him at number yeah, four yeah, yeah. because that is a, uh, that is an etched in stone type of pick where you're going to be, that, they're going to yeah. be many, you know, people keeping an eye on this in the, that particular pick. If it is a quarterback for over the next two to three years, at least. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd be huge. I don't see it happening personally. Because I would be upset if Ramsey's there and they ended up taking a quarterback. Because, you know, if you look at Romo's history, sure, he has had a couple of injuries. But, you know, they've been actual legitimate injuries. It hasn't oh, been anything lingering or, or anything like that. And I think he's also shown in other situations that he's a pretty tough guy. So whatever procedure he decided to do on this shoulder, um, you, you clearly see what type of team they are when he's healthy and doing his thing. So, yeah, would I like them to have more of a long-term plan as a fan? Sure. Uh, would I like them to have Jalen Ramsey? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's hard yeah. for me to, to pass up, you know, one for the other when, when these quarterbacks these days, it's not a sure thing. So at number four, Man, that's a that's a big swing and miss if Especially you don't for get a guy. That a everybody kind of considers to be like a lock as far as what he's going to be at the NFL level. I mean, <laughs> I guess think of it this way: if you pick a quarterback and you get whoever the Browns don't take, then that's like, pretty oh, good. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's pretty good because the Browns usually screw it up, so yeah. they could take the guy that busts, and you could get yeah. the good. And and here's always been my theory as far as when you're drafting in, in the top ten. Like quarterback wise, I think if you don't have what I would consider at least a guy that is your dude for your franchise, so if you at least don't have a guy that is Joe Flacco, I don't think you're going to win the Super Bowl, and I don't think you're going to win your division. So, and I, I just think that if if you're at four, and if you think that Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, if one of the two of them or both of them are still sitting there. I just think you have to sit long and hard and and think about the long term of your team instead of the short term and taking a guy that I, I just I just think that quarterbacks are what make the world go round in the NFL as much as even myself wants to like deny that because 
I did some, I looked it up a while back, and it was something like, of all the guys starting in the NFL, all the Pro Bowl quarterbacks in like the last five years, it was like 95% of them were all first-round picks. Like, like it's like, if you're going to be le- legit in the NFL, unless you're just an outlier like a Romo or a Russell Wilson, I mean, you, you're going to be a first-round pick more than likely. I, I, they just don't miss on quarterbacks very often. Um, but... At the same time, like I said, if you feel if you feel good about Tony, if the Cowboys feel good about Tony, as far as I think at least another, I would say another two three years. Like if you feel like he's going to be fine, he's going to be okay, then yeah, go, go with Jalen Ramsey or go with you know Joey Bosa or uh, even some people have said Miles Jack. Just kind of depending on you know what's there. Um, but I just think if a quarterback is there and you think he's a franchise guy, I think you take him and you just run with it and you get him ready to you know just kind of take the reins whenever tony's done because at some point here in the next you know two three years he is going to be done and you're going to have in my opinion you're going to have a bunch of young pieces on offense that need a guy you know to get them the ball and and those kind of things yeah I, i mean I don't know. I look at all these different projections have so many defensive linemen going in in the first round. And so it's so hard to say. I mean, I think that Joey Bosa is probably a great football player. It's just so hard for me to believe that if, if the options, that's what's going to be cool is some people think that Ramsey's climbing as high as, as one or two. Um, depending on you know trades or positioning, and, and for a safety, that's unheard of for somebody to take a safety one or two. Yeah, and so then if it falls and it doesn't happen, it's like you could. Here's the reason I say this: if you go down most of these projections, you see defensive end slash defensive tackle or rush end outside linebacker. I mean, all riddled throughout the first round. So, but you usually they, do though, I think too. That's yeah, and that's fair, but I mean, it, you, the Cowboys are picking again at number thirty-four, and they just picked a cornerback last year. So if you get Ramsey, you sure up that secondary. You can either go back to the offensive side of the ball, or at thirty-four, you should be able to get a pretty nice, uh, I guess, value pick on the defensive line if that's really what you feel that you need to do in this class. I just unless they think Bosa is just uh, the next. Come you know, J.J. Yeah. Watt, you yeah. know, I mean, then I just don't see why that's a no-brainer pick. And maybe I'm not giving him his just due. Um, I, I just see so much depth on the defensive line that it makes it hard to to ignore. Well, no, no doubt. And and I agree with that. And I think there's lots of risk at it with taking these defensive linemen because they keep getting better and better every year, it seems like. And there's always a handful of guys that – excuse me, a handful of guys that come out. Uh, on the defensive line that you kind of feel like every single one of them could be, you know, like a pro bowler, like a perennial pro bowler, but you never really know which one it's going to end up being because, I mean, as as, as much as I love, you know, uh, my man uh, Smith, you know, left tackle, or Tyron Smith, left tackle for the Cowboys, it, like, still to this day, like, haunts me that they didn't take J.J. Watt when he was just sitting there. And, like, I was like, please take him, please take him, please take him, and they didn't. But, again, like I said, you, you built the future of your offensive line, and you have, are, I mean, pretty much the best offensive line in, in the NFL. So it's an it's a tomato-tomato thing. But but still, you know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't even, like, a con- the consensus, like, top defensive lineman in that draft. No. I mean, and, and 
And that's fine. I just, for me, I know that, what do they do? Thursday night is usually like first round and then second yeah. round. I mean, I think second round is where I'll start to get pretty interested because oh, the draft. Second, third that, is where I get interested. Yeah, because that, that first round, you know, a lot of this is all the rumors and whatnot. They're going to start to shake themselves out closer, and maybe we'll get a better idea what that looks like. But after those first five picks, I mean, it's going to get pretty long and drawn out towards the end of that night. But I mean, it's always cool to see that that first round of picks and and who goes in what direction, and uh, and then just kind of getting a stew on it for uh, another day until they kick off the second round the next night. So yeah. I love it. Uh, you know, I could keep talking about it forever, but me for me, it's uh, it's one of those deals where uh, the Cowboys have been drafting better. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go and. You, I guess they. You saw the whole staff was at offense or uh, at Ohio State working out Joey Bosa, yeah. <laughs> seeing some of those other players there. So it, maybe it's clear what they're doing, and and we're just thinking about it too much. Don't do anything stupid, Jerry. That's all I ask. Please just don't do something stupid. Come on, man. He hasn't done anything stupid the last like four or five years. So um, I guess the last stupid thing they did was draft. Uh, my man Mo Claiborne, which talk about that hasn't exactly worked out. <laughs> oh, but anyway, uh, that's enough draft talk. We'll kind of wrap this thing up and get here to the end with uh, a couple of questions. Didn't have any Twitter questions tonight, so we'll go to uh, our questions from RedRaiderSports.com. Again, you guys, get on Twitter, get on Red Raider Sports, and ask us questions because we are happy to answer them for you guys. So please ask us questions because it gives us more content and it gives you guys a better idea of what's going on and, and you get an idea of what you want to know. So uh, first question from Red Raider Sports comes from TB2 who asks, realistically and or ideally, who's the one guy on offense and the one guy on defense you would like Tech to land in the 2017 class? Mm, ideally or realistically? <laughs> it said either or. I, I would say, um, uh, I would say, let's do ideally in fantasy world. Who would you ideally like them to land on both sides of the ball? On both sides of the ball. Um, wow. Um, pie in the sky. I would say. Um, you know, oh, man, it's so hard to say. Um, well, let's let's do a mixture of both, right? Nice okay, to have, but 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 more realistic, because you know, of course, we can list off obvious players. Um, but I think a, a guy, uh, I think a guy like um, you, you do know, offense, case, you do offense, I'll do offense, then you do defense, and I do defense. Let's do it that way. All right. Um, I, I think a guy on. On offense that that you look at that the coaches are, are still going after would would probably be a, a Jalen Jackson who's is kind of my same pick so <laughs> there you go who who you know who might be coming to town this next month and, and it'll, it'll definitely shake out who the coaches are, are focusing in on but definitely a kid that I think fits the offense well and and with some of the changes to the class and some of the reorganizing that they'll be doing. Uh, I think you'll see Coach Jones stopping in at Cedar Hill to, to talk with him and a few of his teammates. But for me personally, uh, Jordan Jackson uh, on offense, the only other kid I was going to mention was a Casey Verholst. I think you're going to see some movement right. on the offensive line. Um, there's so many kids in the state, but at the same time, positions are being taken and spots are being taken. So uh, this is kind of the time of year where 
kids are hearing different things from coaches, maybe getting different interest level from coaches and, um, you know, whether they're ready to pull the trigger or not, we'll see. But these visits are coming up in the spring. And that's really why I wanted to, to do a different type of piece earlier, uh, today writing about the Oklahoma guys because, you know, I thought about a Noah Jones who is a kid that impressed us at Rivals Camp. Absolutely. Same time last year. You know, not an offer list that would just blow your socks off, but at the time it was getting interest from a lot of different schools and, and it just didn't sound like, you know, tech was very involved, but come to find out, that's just his personality. I mean, you could have mentioned uh, Alabama, and I think he would have answered the same oh, way. Guess, yeah. You know, yeah. And so so then fast forward back to the, the, the next month, and uh, you, you've got the tech coaches visiting Southmore. They're making an offer. He comes a couple months later and, and commits after the unofficial visit. So, I mean, I know I was surprised at that commitment. Um, and, and then that just kept going and going throughout the summer. So it gives you some some hope if you're a tech fan because, you know, this is definitely a drought when it comes to new offers. And, oh, it and, was a drought. Uh, no, no, yeah, drought. <laughs> no doubt, man. Uh, but but I think that will all change around. We keep mentioning the middle of April. Yeah, um, for sure. You got, the, you got the, the, the Midland scrimmage this weekend. You know, last year it wasn't a lot of recruits, but certainly there will be some local kids to the area there. And then when they have the spring game, you're certainly going to have some other visitors as well. So uh, it'll be pretty cool to see, you know, what, what shakes out over those next couple of weeks. Uh, no doubt. For me, uh, and who'd you say pie in the sky would be on offense? Um, pie in the sky on offense. Man, I would probably go with. Uh, our boy Omar Manning from Lancaster. Damn it, I mean, you got the exact same one as me both times. Well, and I know I've been so <laughs> focused on receivers lately. I was going to yeah. say something like Eno Benjamin, but you know you've already got a quarterback commit, you've got a cornerstone offensive line commit. You know maybe we maybe we mention a guy like a, um, oh, I don't know, like a Walker Little, right? Of course that'd be pie in the sky, uh, but I think he's you know got some other things on his mind. But could you imagine a line where it was? Him at right tackle and Anderson at uh, right guard. That's unfair. Uh, no, that's not fair. Uh, I also <laughs> would say my man Austin Deculus is equally because uh, he blew up and he got big. <laughs> that dude that's didn't a miss boy. a meal, did he? No, he did not. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just kind of go ahead and say and 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 just again what you said, Matt, uh, on on offense. Realistically, I think Jalen Jackson is the guy you really look at uh, as far as the receiver as a guy you know who's a higher ranked guy that I think you still feel good about and you kind of want to add one of those guys who's who's a slot guy kind of moving forward so i think that's kind of the one on on, on offense uh pie in the sky you picked omar manning so um let's see here um another guy that i really liked um i mean i like Eno a lot i think Eno is a really good choice um oh, i'm trying to think what this kid's name is um, I would say Manny Netherly's another kid I would love for Tech to add as a receiver because he's a kid that's grown, that's gotten it's blown up quite a bit physically. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say outside a receiver, there's some, uh, you know, there's some pretty good quarterbacks in the state. Like if I was saying pie oh, in the sky, well, like what do you I mean, think? Yeah, oh man, we're we're on the same oh, page, man. like same brain. But Was, can you imagine what he could do in that offense under uh, Cliff? I mean, okay, so I've been to Rivals Camp for the last three years and. I've seen a couple of really good quarterbacks throw. I'm telling you, that kid is the real deal uh, because he's got all the size, but he can make any throw you want him to make in the book. And 
when the ball comes out of his hand, it is zinging wherever it's going, and, and it is pinpoint accurate. So uh, I would love absolutely to get him. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and move to defense, and I'll let you pick first. I mean, I'll preface it with this. I think realistically right now, Matt, and you probably would agree, I just don't think there's necessary. They're kind of waiting until April when they can offer more guys. or Not when they can, but when they're going to offer more guys when they go visit them. So I don't know if there's really a guy realistically on defense, I would say, right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the only one that, that we've talked about, I guess, in name recently was Adam Beck. And we talked to, you know, a few kids uh, in Oklahoma. You know, obviously that kind of yeah, also Javarius spurned. Owens, the, yeah, and, right, Javarius and, and Quindon. So, you know, there's there's going to be others. I talked to a young man named Evan Fields last night who, if the name sounds familiar, was a kid that, that Curtis had actually shown interest in. Right. and. Uh, now Coach Scott's kind of picked up that contact and Coach Spavadol and, and Coach Scott sounds like they're going to hit the road together this spring in Oklahoma. So, you know, again, a lot of defensive backs coming out of that area, call them athletes, corners, safeties, what have you. I mean, nowadays recruiting gets a little bit mixed, right? You talk to a kid that says, well, this coach thinks I can play corner. This coach wants me to, to be uh, a safety and at the same time you're talking to a kid that's six two and 190 wow. so you're like well well what about linebacker you know what i mean <laughs> so it's uh it, it kind of varies but you know i i think that on defense you're gonna see i just think going back to my noah jones comparison you're gonna see a lot of kids that are either lightly recruited or kids that that you don't know a lot about right now start to, yeah yeah they're just gonna start to pop up because maybe you have your other kids that are playing the, the, the long game or they've got 30, 40 offers. I mean, uh, or, or you get some of these programs that have maybe already settled on a couple of guys. I, I think that's D-line's always going to be a commodity, but I think we've seen after Coach Gibbs and some of these guys get to get out in the spring and see these kids in person, you know, that that changes. But that's always going to be an emphasis with, with any of these recruiting classes moving forward. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, and pie in the sky defense, and I will say the caveat is you can't take Marvin. You gotta take yeah. somebody else other than Marvin. Hey, that's fine, man. Uh, well, I don't. I think if I went with my first choice, that that maybe you'd say, "Oh, I was thinking of that guy." So I'm gonna try to think of another okay. guy. The guy. I'm gonna <laughs> tell you, mine starts with a B. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna do somebody different, so that okay, works. You go ahead. You go ahead then. Uh, I was gonna say Grant Delpit uh, okay. as my I like second. That. I thought you were going to say Robert Barnes, but but if you're going with Baron Browning, I'll I'll take him too. I am going with Baron because okay, so when we show up to Rivals Camp, there are these kids that, and I know Matt, for you, you cover three different schools, so you know a lot more of these kids and what they look like. For me, just covering tech in general, there are a lot of these kids I don't know as much as far as when I'm in person until you know I go up and start talking to them. So. Whenever we walked out there, there was a kid with the linebackers that I literally said, holy crap, Who? What? what is that kid? Like, who is that? And it was Baron Browning. And that dude is like the Greek god of, like, what you want in, like, a linebacker, DB, whatever. Because he is an incredible player, and I would take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, if he's not a five-star, I don't know what is. Oh, so he's a five-star in sure. my book, yeah. I'm sure he'll get bumped up, but yeah, big kid, rangy. I even saw him play some safety at the Prime 21 camp, and I was like, this is insane, just watching him move around. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but 
I agreed to, I think, Grant Dilpit. Another guy, too, would be, uh, you know, like you said, Robert Barnes. I think he was one of the guys that really impressed me the most at Rivals Camp as far as, you know, what I kind of thought of him beforehand and then what I thought of him afterwards because uh, he and then uh, Trey Brown, who were both guys that are committed to Oklahoma, were two of the best defensive backs at that camp that day. Yeah. I mean, there's not – I don't – I can't sit here and tell you that there's, oh my gosh, this defensive guy is the one. Um, I, I think that there's even a kid committed to, uh, Baylor right now, Donovan Steiner, who I think could be one of the best defensive prospects in the state. If, if people would just stop and watch his tape, reminds me a lot of, of Holton Hill, uh, rangy and, and just, uh, uh, totally quiet off the field, but an animal on the field. Um, I'd take him too. Uh, we'll there's, take them all. Just, we'll just take all of them. Yeah, just give me those guys. There's even Taquan Graham was out there from Temple. That's another big kid. Um, you know, I, there's a lot, a lot of guys around the state making a name for themselves on the defensive line. I guess while we're on that note, I, I still I haven't been able to see him. All I know is I talked to him when he was a younger kid. Uh, but Damian Daniels, the the younger brother of uh, of Darren. And, uh, and, you know, uh, of his father of, of Texas Tech, uh, fame. You know, we all know that story, but Damian Daniels is a 2017 defense tackle. Right. He's got like 35 offers now. I mean, it has got stopped. more than, than Darian ever had, if I know yeah. I right. Yeah. And so, uh, no, it's just interesting to, to kind of see all that unfold. I absolutely do not think Tech's involved. Um, but, no, you know, just while either. we're talking about some of these kids, you get, Different kids. I mean, uh, we've talked about different positions, and you know, there's some of these that are that are you know newer offers. There's some of these that are guys that we feel pretty strongly that will receive an offer uh, going into the spring. So I think a lot will shake out, and and we'll yeah. start to see who are some of these top targets. But yeah, it's always kind of fun to to play with. You know, who we would like to see them add as well. No doubt, no doubt. Um, and then our, our other question enough for tonight, from also from Red Rider Sports, is from Climbing Hap, who says, With the departure of Jalen Rager, there is a continued perception that Tech can't or isn't doing enough to lock down legacies. In your opinion, what are the issues that are pl- at play with Tech's legacy recruiting? And I'll, I'll, I kind of want to tackle this first, where I just want to say that I don't think it's a Tech issue. Not at all. I think it's an issue of... Up, and I've talked about this some this week, where I think it's an issue of middle to middle upper tier uh, power five schools that are you know that aren't blue bloods but are kind of in that middle mid upper tier. So schools that I would say are schools like Tech and Oklahoma State, um, and then I guess for right now Baylor and TCU are all schools that have that have had kids, and, and you see this around the country at schools that are you know kind of at the same level where kids that their dads played at a certain school, a lot of the times they're not going to that school because a lot of these kids simply just want to do their own thing. And it has nothing to do with you being able to convince that kid to go to that school or whatever. I think it's a lot of it is kids just want to do their own thing. Do I necessarily think that's the deal with Jalen? No, but I just think in general with legacy recruiting, I think it's more so a thing of so many kids just want to blaze their own trail. Um, that being said, I do think you see with blue blood programs, you see a lot more kids that um, that kind of that might stay, you know, stay home and go where their dad went. But I think that's also because they're blue blood programs, and there's a reason for that. 
So I just don't think it's a tech tech problem, and just kind of from the way that things kind of have worked out with Jalen, I, I know obviously I think towards the end it really looked like to us, and I thought he was solid for a while, and then it just kind of kept looking more and more like he was going to decommit, and then he finally did. Um, ends up at Oklahoma. We'll see if he sticks at Oklahoma. That, that's just kind of what I think. I think he may end up somewhere else, but uh, that's my spiel. What's what's your spiel or thoughts or, or whatever on not only Jalen but legacy situations, Matt? I mean, if I had the answer for legacies, I mean, I would I would but have a lot more of an opinion here. Because I don't. No, I don't think it's a tech problem, but I also think it's a byproduct of coaching changes and 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 the program being where it is now if we go all the way back to you know jonathan gray which is you know where a lot of this kind of angst started um and even it goes back further than that which i understand but i mean i guess if we want to stay as recent as possible you know gray could have gone anywhere and i mean i think he was even quoted as kind of wanting to do his own thing and and at least with that one, the writing was on the wall for a while. You know, from, he at from least early on, I think. Yeah, yeah it, from real early on. But at least he made it clear that that you know he wasn't gushing about tech or anything like that. Now, the problem I have in contrast with uh, a Rager or even Daniels, which if we want to even go there, yeah, you know, we'll Coach, Coach Duffy. <laughs> Well, but Coach Duffy was obviously a friend of the family and somebody that had played with his father. For maybe sure, the, yeah. that relationship obviously played a factor into it. You know, we won't go where, you know, others have gone with this thing. That one, you know, if it was apples to apples, I, I thought that, that that one surprised me a lot. But if we're talking about Jalen, I mean, yeah. the, I think the reason this one raises more eyebrows or it just causes more frustration is, you know, he committed. Right, I mean, he committed. Nobody, yeah, I get that. nobody pressured him into that commitment that early, and um, I it just was kind of a surprise too, if I remember him committing. Like it was kind of out of the left field. Oh yeah, it sure was, and I mean, I think that we clearly saw as soon as some new offers came in. You know, you. It, I mean, we've been doing this long enough now to where we saw the Texas Tech pictures go away, Texas Tech logo go away. The Texas Tech mention of the, his commitment go away. All that happened as these new offers were coming in. And interesting, interestingly enough, uh, as soon as the Oklahoma offer came in, the, the decommitment happened that next day. So for all we know, maybe the kid uh, you know has a soft spot for Oklahoma. We'll see. Um, I, I think he's a great player. Uh, I just think he um, is is a little caught up in the process and – you know, I don't think he committed for the right reasons because, you know, clearly he decommitted and, and recommitted to a school only two in weeks a very, later. Very, very short period of time. Yeah. And that, so and for this early in the process, that doesn't happen a lot. Well, and I just I kind of I mean, I, I kind of feel for, you know, his father in the in this instance, because, you know, his father went on radio with with our publisher, Chris Level. And clearly, you know, every time all these guys are very respectful. I've talked to. Uh, Mr. Daniels, uh, I've talked to other folks, you know, throughout the recruiting process, and, yeah, and they like all Ron McKinley's dad. Well, exactly, and and they all want what's best for their son, which I completely understand. Totally. And um, and and they say that the coaches have to recruit them and and all of that good stuff, and we'll see what happens. But for me, I, it, you have to look at it one by one. You know, I, I just think that with the comments that were made from Monte and and you know, understanding that 
a commitment was made. It wasn't like any of these other kids actually committed and decommitted. I think that's mm-hmm. what really makes this one stick out and uh, and kind of you know make people sore. Now, for for all the comments that say, well, this is why we can't win and why we can't build, I don't believe in that. You know, there's just there's been just as many players that have come and 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 made something of themselves here, and it wasn't because their their dad played at Tech or was a good player at Tech, and you know we'll we'll see what happens, but. You know, maybe it'll maybe it'll work out for the best. But I kind of agree with you. You know, will he probably stick at OU? Probably. Uh, will Will he end up going to visit in Alabama or uh, or, or or you know some of these I other? I think he'll look around at the very yeah. least, don't you? No, I do. I mean, because think about it. OU's still hosting wide receivers, and they're going to take you know it's, they're going to take their guys, you know, whoever they want to. And I like I said, I respect Rager. Um, but he's taking advantage of his situation. I also cover A&M, and I had to watch him tweet about A&M for their two weeks as well. So I just think that, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but we saw it at Rivals Camp. Oh, you know, uh, what are you, O-U-D-N-A or whatever. I mean, uh, it's all yeah. like it's all like hashtags in real life type stuff. And I just don't get that vibe from the, the you know, this tech class at all. I mean, I think that's just going to grow you know, the way it's supposed to grow. And if these, I said it on the board after the, the decommit and I'll stop rambling on this, but you know, keep on preaching my dog. I I am 100% on the page with you. Yeah. But I I mean, I guess the last thing I was going to say is that, you know, it's a hype commit. And you, if you, we go back to the old adage, if you're going to have to convince a kid to come to Lubbock, then, you know, you don't need him to be there. And if, some of these kids have bigger plans if they feel like they need to play at a bigger program. It's better to find that out right now and to give that right. opportunity to somebody who's really hungry for it because I can guarantee you, you know, if you get in early on a kid like a Cartrell Thomas like they are right now or you get in early on a kid and and really kind of bend his ear and show him really how much you want him like a Jalen Jackson – then that's where you can really start to add some talent. Which and paid off it, last year, I think. Exactly. And, and I'll say it again, and I'll leave it at this. I think the world of Jalen Rager as a football player, but in the state of Texas where they throw the football more than ever now and the spread offense is prevalent, there are other kids that are capable of of doing you know similar things on the football field at the receiver position. So I don't yep. think it's a, you know maybe because of his father it, it makes people upset, but – it is what it is. It certainly is what it is. Before we get out of here, uh, I know you just got done rambling, but is there anything else you would like to preach on or ramble on or give some lessons on or do some teaching on before we call it quits? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, man. I mean, uh, I know that we probably need to cut this thing short, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to another week next week where we can talk about, you know, what what you're able to see at this scrimmage right, and. For sure. Uh, then then we're going to blink and we'll be at the spring game. So uh, lots of football coming our way. Absolutely. A whole lot of football coming our way. Once again, thanks so much for listening, you guys. This is the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay. He's Matt Clare. Thanks so much for listening and hope you have a great rest of your week.